0: The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenberger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview, and now the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, food made fresh. Kickoff with your host, Phil Halk. With apologies to Charles Dickens for Drew Pine last Saturday, it was the worst of times. But after a little hard coaching, it was the best of times indeed the Drew Pine who started the game had very little in common with the Drew Pine that finished pine started the game misfiring routine passes to open receivers bobbling and fumbling snaps and leading an offense that made a habit of false starts on third and short in all the Irish went three and out on their first four possessions and did not notch a first down until the 13:36 mark of the second quarter apparently though Pine's early problems were not anything a little hard coaching both from head coach Marcus Freeman and offensive coordinator Tommy Reese couldn't cure. Because Pine did respond and with the help of an improved offensive line, decent running game and time to throw the football, Notre Dame's QB1 suddenly showed poise, escapability and some passing accuracy. He tossed a couple of TD passes and finished 17-23 for 150 yards, 2 TDs and no interceptions the version of Drew Pine on display Saturday after an inauspicious start, moving forward gives the Irish a chance to develop a workable identity, run the football, pass when you need to, and play really good defense. And that is a recipe that can work as the Irish look to leave the worst of times behind and move forward in hopes of enjoying some best of times in 2022 guadalupe's mexican grill located on illinois road look for new fort wayne locations soon now stay tuned for fighting irish insight from america's foremost authority on notre dame football tim Priester, senior editor of IrishIllustrated.com. illustrated.com after these words from haynes eisenberger and skiba sheer mcculloch auctioneers and refreshing coors light made to chill this is fighting irish preview
1: The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The
0: professionals at Haynes Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish,
1: has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have
0: needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish preview with your host Phil Halk. Well, Tim Brewster, uh, of course, great to break into the win column last week. Let's let's go with that to lead. But but I got to ask when when Drew Pine was stumbling out of the block and stumbling is being generous, I think with with kindness, five mistake field possessions by him to start the game. Uh, no first downs in the first quarter for the Irish offense, and it, it, and pretty much everything was in the lap of. Uh, Drew Pine, did it ever enter your head that if he doesn't get this together by halftime that Steve Angeli would be warming up on the sidelines?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at one point he, he actually was, right? I mean, uh, obviously that wasn't something you nor wanted to do, but it was so extreme with Drew Pine that you had to look to the freshman. Now, you know, I don't know, do you credit Tommy Reese for, for lighting a fire? It took a couple series before Drew Pine actually Put it together, but he responded. You know, after a three for eight start, he was fourteen for fifteen to uh, to finish. So, um, you know, did I expect him to finish fourteen of fifteen for one hundred and thirty-one yards? No, but uh, he did. He did a really nice job. They didn't ask a lot of him, um, and it was mainly just get the ball to some of your playmakers, hand it off behind an offensive line that suddenly got a bunch of push. And things worked out. I I thought Norton could hang in there, even if he struggled or they, you know, they just didn't put a lot together because I didn't expect Kel to score a whole lot. But you obviously needed more than 17. Yeah.
0: And let's let's face it, Drew Pine with the slow start and all, you're right that there wasn't a lot that he had to do. And I was really surprised he started so slow. I thought he'd be bigger, at least up to the moment. But he wasn't. But it's in the past. But it all worked out, and but I want to stay talking about quarterbacks. But I want to talk about a little bit bigger picture. Let's take a long-term view of Notre Dame's quarterback situation. Tim, Notre Dame kind of has a quarterback problem. If you if you look at that depth chart, if Drew Pine is not going to be a long-term answer, and and some people don't think Tyler Buckner is either, and that's you know there's not a lot left. It's either Steve Angeli. Or is the Calvary perhaps coming? Is C.J. Carr going to be the answer? Talk about the Notre Dame quarterback situation over the next few years.
1: I really like C.J. Carr a lot. The issue is that he is a class of 2024. Uh, so he's only he's in his junior season this year. He is a little bit older. Uh, so he has a decision to make. And I don't think that you can force him to reclassify for the 2023 class. But if he wants to do it, they need to They need to get him here. If he can't or won't, then they're going to have to seek a transfer because they don't think that you can go into another season without that fourth quarterback. I don't, you know, Ron Paulus is junior, that is, or the third, I guess I should say, uh, is not going to be an answer quarterback. So they do, as you said, Phil, they have an issue there. And it's not, um, you know, it's not going to be easily solved without bringing in some extra help via transfer.
0: Without a doubt, I think uh, they're going to be needing to find another Jack Cone one-year uh, patch on that situation for next year. And I imagine uh, Marcus Freeman is working on that right now, thinking about it. Okay, everyone's seen it. Tommy Reese yelling over the coaching box phone at Pine. Tim, draw on your own experience as a successful high school baseball head coach. What really is hard coaching? What's its purpose? And why do some players respond to it so well and some don't?
1: Well, I think, first of all, Phil, in, in many instances, it's a, it starts with the impatience of the coach himself having been in some situations along the way. But, you know, I mean, hard coaching is something that Drew Pine says he responds to and, you Being the kind of kid that he is, we believe that. But I think, you know, Tommy Reese was reacting. If he doesn't snap Drew Pine out of it, who knows what happens offensively moving forward. Sometimes you have to do that. It's a lot. It's easier to do on the collegiate level because, you know, I mean, these guys are training to become professional football players. I don't know that Drew Pine's going to be that, but they should be better prepared for that. I thought the, the really impressive part, I thought was the way that Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman handled it. This week, Tommy Reese, you know, said obviously the language is not acceptable, but sometimes you have to do something uh, with a player that, that snaps him out of the, the funk that he was in. So it happens. I think all is fair on, on the football field in the in the arena of athletics. Uh, I would talk to if I were Notre Dame, I would talk to NBC about that camera that's on Tommy Reese at all times. Um, kind of an unfortunate situation, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And it worked for Notre Dame. It worked for Drew Pine.
0: Well, it worked for Drew Pine. Uh, I think we can agree, though, that that sort of coaching doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but Pine said after the game that he expected it. Uh, he had told his coach and uh, over the years that that was acceptable and that when he needed it, he needed it. And it did seem to work for Pine. Uh, and Pine did get his act together, as we said uh, but Tim, seventeen to twenty-three, good numbers there. But none of those passes really went down the field, did they? I mean, we're the missing aspect of this offense clearly at this point is no vertical passing game. Tim, what are the chances that Drew Pine with this wide receiver group has the ability to add a more vertical aspect to the offense?
1: Well, first of all, the the, the seam route that he missed to to Michael Mayer early could have. You know, I don't want to say changed everything, but it certainly could have set him up for a little bit more success. But, you know, now they're about to face a defense in North Carolina where can they push the ball down the field? Yeah, I think that they can. I also think that they can continue to work the short game if they can add the, the running aspect of it as well. They're not going to be able to push the ball down the field the way they could with Jack Cohn. They're not even going to be able to push it down the field the way they could with Tyler Butner. Um, you know, who misfired on a couple deeper balls. I, you know, I just think that Tommy Reese has to play this play by play. The receiving core, I, I i don't think that they can really trust Braden Lindsay to win, um, you know, 50-50 balls down the field. They're just going to have to make do. You're going to have to feed the football to Michael Mayer more. At the forefront of everything, Phil, they have to run the ball first and foremost.
0: Yeah, they do. And they did that last week. And that was certainly a welcome improvement uh, the running game showed up, 140 yards, uh, four-yard average out of uh, combined out of Chris Tyree and Audrick Estime. And it was so refreshing, Tim, to, to see the first contact on those ball carriers when they'd get the ball. didn't occur until they were actually up to the line of scrimmage, where in the first two weeks we saw it occurring earlier, there was a really good push developed by this offensive line last week. Talk about that development.
1: Almost hard to believe, wasn't it? I mean, that's a pretty decent California front. But they, that offensive line absolutely changed the point of attack. I thought, in particular, probably the most stunning performance was Zeke Corral at center, who was getting great push. I think we mentioned him last week on Ricky Correa, 6'4", 335-pound nose tackle. He dominated him, especially deeper into the game. And I thought Jared Patterson's played really well for two games in a row, and he and Joe Alt combined uh, on, on some, some combo blocks. So from center left guard to left tackle, they were really, really good um and they made (laughs) they made progress 140 yards doesn't sound like a lot but when you consider um you know those two running backs combining for that pretty much over the last two and a half quarters that was a fine effort by norton's uh, ground game
0: yeah look for more of that to come hopefully for the irish offense that's going to have to be part of their identity okay And more progress on the defensive side of the ball as well. Defensive line really got busy in this game. Six sacks, a bunch of quarterback hits and hurries. Uh, Jack Plummer uh, was hit so often, he just was able to complete 16 out of 37. Is this what the pass rush should have looked like all season long? And is it going to continue this way? And can it even get better?
1: Well, I think it, first of all, I think it can get better because they're not really getting a, Whole lot of production out of the defensive end spot opposite Isaiah Foskey. The three that the the three guys on the inside, Jason Alola, Howard Cross, and Jacob Lacy, were outstanding last week. And again, that's that that's a decent offensive front. So I think if you continue to get that push from the the, the defensive tackles, Foskey needs a compliment. This is a good group to be going against the North Carolina group, although. They're not as bad as they were last year when they allowed 49 sacks uh, by the offensive line. But, uh, yeah, it can get better because they can get more productivity out of the opposite end spot.
0: And there may be some uh, productivity to be had against North Carolina this week. There better be if the Irish are going to be successful. You mentioned Howard Cross. He's leading the team in tackles. That is really impressive for a defensive lineman. How good has he
1: been? He's been great. Uh, you know, he has so many assets. The one negative is he just doesn't have a lot of stature, a lot of height, but he's quick and he's relentless. And everybody talks about how strong his hands are. His get-off was always the best part of his game. When he was coming out of high school, that was the best aspect of him. You know, Phil, uh, he's leading the team in tackles. I doubt it ends up that way. But the last time Notre Dame had a defensive lineman Ly- lead the team in tackles was Trevor Laws in, in 2007. It wasn't a very good year for the Notre Dame team. But he had a great year. And this, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't necessarily put Cross in Trevor Law's uh, category, but he's being ultra productive. 11 tackles against Marshall, seven tackles against California.
0: Yeah, I hope he keeps that up. Uh, but generally speaking, it's the up to the defensive line to really set the linebackers up to run kind of interference for them. And the linebackers are the leading tacklers. But Howard Cross really playing well. And good play out of the secondary and freshman cornerback uh, Benjamin Morrison got the start in this game. Tim, I hear you think this young man has a chance to be pretty good. Talk about Morrison.
1: I I think he has a chance to be a great Notre Dame cornerback. His ability to mirror receivers is just outstanding. Now, he was beaten for the longest reception of the game last week, a 33-yarder to J. Michael Sturdivant. And he was beaten off the snap, but he made up some ground and he was in phase with him. It was just a perfect throw. Now he needs to get, doesn't need to turn and look at the ball. He can't do that in that situation. But he needs to get his arms up to try to knock the pass down. But I think, I think Benjamin Morrison has a chance to be a great cornerback. He's got a little bit more length than I think uh, people realize. He hit the ground running at Ohio State. He wasn't hesitant at all in his first first game as a freshman. I think that's a, a sign that Norgan's got a, a, a chance for a budding star in Benjamin Morrison. Yeah.
0: Six-foot, 180-pound, four-star out of Phoenix, Arizona. Benjamin Morrison playing really well as a freshman. And another's performing well who's kind of at the other end of the experience schedule. Uh, Fifth-year, Tariq Bracy playing nickelback. He's playing about as good as anybody at that position this year, Tim. And it's really gone to a new level. Talk about the rejuvenation of Tariq Bracy's game.
1: Yeah, it's gone to a new level just on time because it looks like North Carolina will have their slot receiver Josh Downs back, who caught one hundred and one passes on one hundred and forty-four targets last year. But Tariq Bracy is—we said it on our uh, Irish Illustrated Insider podcast—that uh, you know I, I can't believe that there are ten nickels in the country that are better than Tariq Bracy, and I think this would surprise a lot of people based upon. You know, some previous experiences for him at corner. Corner's a little bit different than nickel. Nickel's actually harder, but he's really dialed in. And I think he can, when he's lined up on a guy in the slot, uh, he has enough size to defend a bigger player. And he certainly has enough speed, quickness, and change of direction to handle a true slot receiver he's outstanding
0: well his history has not always been so positive but right now he's playing great and lots of good stuff seem to be coming together for this defense right now uh Tim Manti Teo back at ND last weekend the ovation that we all heard when he was introduced pre-game really about as loud as I'd heard the stadium get in a long time you and I and other members of the media got the chance to talk with him pre-game What are your thoughts about the Manti story since the Netflix documentary? Has he now cleared himself from the catfishing scandal that broke after his senior season?
1: Yeah, I think he is because anybody that, that saw the documentary uh, knows how well it was produced and what a great job they did of proving that he was simply duped into a, into a bad situation. You want to call him naive? I guess you can do that. The one thing that we always, when it was occurring, uh, 10 years ago, and there were suggestions that he was uh, part of the hoax. We knew that that was, that was crazy. That was That's not something that, that Manti Teo would do. And I just really appreciated uh, how appreciative he is coming back to Notre Dame and the opportunity being at Notre Dame. He said all the right things. It's genuine. Uh, hard not to hard not to have a tremendous amount of respect for Manty tail.
0: Yeah, he he just came off uh, in that interview uh, before the media as a tremendous uh, advocate for the university. And maybe that can be uh, channeled in a good way in the future. Uh, watch the documentary fans if you haven't seen it on Netflix untold the girlfriend who didn't exist Really well done, as Tim said. Unfortunately, there's always going to be snickers from those who want to hate, and that's just something we can't do anything about. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 372nd edition of Fighting
2: Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Shearer McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Shearer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Shearer McCulloch.
0: The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. The Irish have won 24 consecutive regular season games against ACC opponents, dating back to 2017. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill.
1: 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
0: Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Irish are at North Carolina this week. TV coverage on ABC begins at 3.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage, Chris Craft, and Premier Pontoons, New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year, we're focusing on the fighting Irish quarterbacks since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, and this week, Ron Paulus. Ron Paulus hit the national scene before he'd even played a game for Notre Dame when sports writer Bino Cook predicted that Paulus would win the Heisman Trophy twice and go down as the greatest ND quarterback ever. Talk about setting the bar high. Paulus came to Notre Dame out of Berwick, Pennsylvania, and it wasn't just Bino that thought he was going to be good. Parade, Gatorade, and USA Today all named him their player of the year after his senior high school season. Paulus was in fact touted by many as one of the best high school quarterback prospects ever. His senior year at Berwick, he had led his school to the number one national ranking, and his stats were off the chart 2,900 yards passing, 31 touchdown passes, 677 yards rushing, and another 20 touchdowns on the ground. Paulus made a fast impression on Lou Holtz and quickly won the starting job in 1993 but broke his collarbone just days before the first game. Kevin McDougal, last week's hero, got his chance, and Paulus sat the season out. Paulus came back the next year and went on to start 46 games for the Irish. As a junior, he broke Rick Myers' all-time touchdown mark, and as a senior, he set several more school records, including most career attempts, passing yards, and consecutive completions. In all, he left Notre Dame holding 20 all-time Notre Dame passing records, and he was a two-time team captain. Paulus had a short-lived career in the NFL and the World League before returning to Notre Dame in 2005, in an administrative role, and as quarterback's coach from 2007 to 2010. Since 2015, Paulus has served in a couple of different administrative roles and is currently the associate athletics director for football. Tim, somewhere in between the high expectations which were set for him and the reality of a very productive career, the public's opinion of Ron Paulus was unfortunately skewed. I would contend he was an excellent quarterback and leader, but became a victim of impossible expectations.
1: I'll never forget going back a little bit, the day that uh, we gathered with Lou Holtz and he informed us that he had suffered a season-ending injury right before the start of the 93 season. Now, Kevin McDougal stepped up and did a great job, but the look on Lou Holtz's face told you what he thought he had lost with the injury to Ron Paulus. You know, I think, I mean, I think he was a a good to very good college quarterback. I I think that, and, and Lou Holtz would second this. He said it before he, Paulus wasn't given the surrounding cast that, that McDougal and, and uh, Rick Meyer and Tony Rice had. And, and it showed, and then he had to transition with the Bob Davie era, and that didn't work out real well. So, a lot of respect for Ron Paulus. What he's become, he's one of the most trusted uh, officials at the University of Notre Dame when it comes to making decisions about uh, football, including to helping choose Marcus Freeman as the next head coach.
0: That's a fact. Uh, Ron Paulus' son, Ron the Third, is currently a sophomore quarterback on the Notre Dame squad. Currently, number three on the depth chart. Ron Paulus, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. North Carolina is led by 34-year veteran head coach Mac Brown. They are 3-0, and in a typical ACC scheduling protocol, they had a bye last week. They own victories over Florida A&M, Appalachian State, and Georgia State. They average 51.3 points per game, fourth nationally, but they give up 37.7 points per game, and that ranks near the other extreme at 119th in the country. A trio of freshmen are leading the charge of this high-powered offense. Leading the offense is 6'4", 220-pound redshirt freshman Drake May. May has already tossed 11 touchdown passes, tied for most in the country, and thrown for 930 yards. A threat to tuck it and run, May has also gained 146 yards on 26 carries. He has been sacked six times. May likes to spread the ball out. Seven different receivers have seven or more receptions. His top target thus far has been six-one freshman. Kobe Paceauer with 14 grabs, good for 172 yards and two TDs. A pair of tight ends, Kamari Morales and Bison Nesbitt have combined for 17 catches, 251 yards, and four TDs. Junior wide receiver Josh Downs, who had a big season a year ago, was injured week one, but will be available this week. The Heels' leading runner, Omari Hampton, rounds out the freshman trio. Hampton is a 220-pound, six-footer, who has scored five TDs while running for 228 yards on 38 carries. That's an even six yards per carry. In contrast to their high-scoring offense, North Carolina does play defense – but not particularly well. Heck, they gave up 40 points in one quarter to Appalachian State. A quick survey of national defensive rankings shows the Tar Heels ranked near the bottom in many defensive categories. Passing yardage allowed, 112th. Completion percentage allowed, 121st. Scoring defense, 119th. Total defense, 123rd. Rushing defense, 112th. Passing efficiency defense, 126th, etc., you get the picture. Mac Brown brought in a new defensive coordinator this year in veteran coach Gene Chiswick, but so far that has not paid big dividends. Two of the better players Chiswick has to work with are last year's leading tackler, linebacker Cedric Gray, and cornerback. Storm Duck, who definitely makes the all-name team, if nothing else. Finally, it's also worth noting that the Tar Heels are among the most heavily penalized teams in the nation. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory?
1: I think in order for Notre Dame to win this game, they're going to have to score in the 30s. And it, to me, it against this North Carolina defense, it starts with the running game. I don't think Drew Pine can just pass Notre Dame to a victory. So it starts with the running game, and North Carolina's given up. 523 yards rushing in the last two games combined against Appalachian State and and Georgia State. So it starts there. That would open up the passing game. Pine has to be accurate, obviously, and Norden can take some shots. But I think it starts with the running game, opens up the passing game, and allows them to ball control a little bit.
0: Okay, score in the 30s. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish?
1: Well, let's go to the other side of the ball because you were talking about Drake May. And I just think that he's going to be a really outstanding quarterback that has a future beyond the collegiate level. He has great size at, at six foot five. So it starts with putting pressure on him. He's agile. He's mobile. He's accurate and a very confident player. So if you don't pressure him. Uh, he's going to have a field day, so I'm going to I'm going to pick Isaiah Foskey to represent Notre Dame's entire pass rush, and I think you know when you talk about Notre Dame's pass rush, a lot of that is the damage that they can do inside at the tackle position.
0: Okay, that's true with uh, Cross and Lacey, but uh, Isaiah Foskey is from the defensive end position is your Aspen Mortgage key player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into game four? I understand there was an injury in practice this week.
1: Yeah, there was. Kevin Bauman Norton's back up tight end. It's our understanding that... uh he definitely misses this week, and, and it could be for an extended period of time. Uh, the timing is pretty good there because Kane Barron, the sophomore, redshirt freshman, tight end, has has uh, is back uh, to health after suffering a knee injury during the offseason. So. Uh, he replaced Sam Tyler Buckner, of course, out. J.D. Bertrand's not injured, but he had the, the targeting call in late in the uh, the Cal game, so he'll miss the first half. Another tight end, Mitchell Evans, who's been out all year, should be back for BYU. Logan Diggs, Notre Dame running back that missed uh, missed the game last week due to illness, according to Marcus Freeman, should be back in action as well.
0: Okay, well, all in all, actually a pretty good report. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says North Carolina by one and a half. What does America's foremost authority say?
1: I think this will be one of the hardest games to pick just because the timing of it. North Carolina hasn't played a power five level competition, although, you know, their quarterback, Drake May, has done a really, really outstanding job. This was originally predicted to be a higher scoring game. The over underline has come down, so I think that's an indication that um, you know, the Notre Dame can slow down North Carolina's offense. It's averaging 51 points per game. But then also Notre Dame will have some difficulty scoring. I think this is a real tough assignment for Notre Dame. And unfortunately, my feeling right now is that it gets worse before it gets better. 33 to 27 in favor of the home team, North Carolina.
0: Okay. Tough going on the road. No doubt about that. And that's an advantage for North Carolina with that powerful offense. And that's Tim Preacher's prediction. North Carolina, 33 Notre Dame 27, Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, I felt pretty good about what I saw out of the, the old line last week and the running game developing. And this is the best defense the Tar Heels are going to face uh, by far, so far this year. I think the Irish can slow that tempo a bit, use that ground game, score in the 30s, as you said. I'll take the Irish, ND 34, North Carolina 30. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com, and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.